0: Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe D'Amino. On this episode, we talk with Director of Operations and Small Business Coach Kelly Learden. She is passionate about empowering female entrepreneurs to build and scale the business of their dreams without sacrificing their personal lives. She loves helping women tackle the chaos of disorganization, the overwhelm of wearing all the hats, and the struggle for harmony between work and family. Over the last 20 years, she has worked with hundreds of entrepreneurs in 40-plus industries. In addition, she runs Walk Like Warriors, which empowers female entrepreneurs to embrace warrior energy and strategic success both in business and in life. She's got a lot of great energy and joy. Let's get into happy stuff here. So let's begin our conversation with, you know, we're going on the four-year anniversary of this pandemic, and I'm curious how you got through it and how it changed the way that you do business now.
1: My experience with COVID was quite a bit different than most people's. I was working at a very large kind of picture, like a theme park attraction where every day, thousands and thousands of people there. And my office was right next to the CEO's office. He had this huge picture window that would look out onto the whole area. And I would, we would, I'd have lunch with him. We'd have coffee together, right? Well, as COVID started to become more well-known, we knew what we were facing, having a (laughs) kind of a tourist attraction type of business. And they had called everyone in for a meeting and I got the phone call. I, um, you know, had to, had to temporarily lay off my entire team. I'll never forget the next day I went in and I was looking out that window and there was two people on the property when normally there would have been eight to 10,000. And I was the only one in the building that I was in. And I was just looking out. It was end of March. Everything was gray. It was, I mean, I felt like you could almost see like the little dust ball roll across the path. It was, it felt a little apocalyptic. Yeah. What happened for me was that people were home. I'm watching people on social media talking about, oh, I'm making more money being at home and I stay in my pajamas till two. And I was leaving the house at seven in the morning and getting home at nine o'clock at night. It was I was working about hundred hours a week. It was incredibly difficult, I was missing out on my kids lives during that year. But I was fighting with every fiber of my being to get us reopened to help the people who are at home. Um, but there were just some things that became crystallized for me during that experience. And that was that I wasn't ever going to put myself in a situation where I missed that much of my kids lives. And it was hard for me. I I knew that I had to even work on bitterness when they were, when they brought everyone back, they all got bonuses. (laughs) I'm thinking I didn't see my family for three months. It was difficult. I was so happy to bring everybody back and to bring the team back, but it was so out of alignment with the way that I want to live my life. Mm -hmm. And so most people were home and kind of having moments of reflection. And I was working like a dog, not seeing my family. And so once that whirlwind kind of subsided that's when I had my moment of clarity. I'm never giving somebody a year of my life again, except yeah. my family. And yeah. so that there was other things that led to it. But that's what I, I actually that was when I said goodbye to W2 work for good. I've been an entrepreneur, i work with entrepreneurs, but kind of like flow in and out of W2 work and contractor work and all the things. But after that, that was basically just a breaking point in my life, yeah. where got everybody settled and all of that. It wasn't like, you know, the day everyone came back, I was gone, but I I left in December and I've never looked back. So it was very, very difficult. I think that there's other men and women who experienced something similar to myself. It was, you know, we, we felt bad for the people that were home, but it could feel a little bit at times, like we were ignored working like dogs, working ourselves to the bone And then everyone came back well rested and it was just a grind, man. It was, it was really, truly a grind. So it was good. It helped me get some clarity when things got right side up again. And I've redone the way that I live my business life because of what happened.
0: So let's get into what you do right now. I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders. It's career day. And one of the kids is curious and says, Hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer that child?
1: I love this question, Joe. You're a fantastic interviewer because when people, when I hear the intro, sometimes I'm like, well, I don't know what that person does. This is the question where I have like a framework, right? I'm like, oh, that's what they do. I love this question. So I would tell a third grader, I help female business owners take their business from teeny tiny small to a great big business while helping them manage their time so that they're working less, but having more success and productivity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this: What did you want to be when you were in the third grade? What was your dream?
1: <laughs> I was a voracious reader. I read every Nancy Drew book. Uh, I wanted to be a writer, and I would make up stories in my head. I we moved all the time when I was growing up, and I'll never forget. Like you know, you have to be that kid that tries to make friends quickly. Because you're like the newbie, you're the oddball in the school, everyone's staring at you. We were out on the playground and I was in third grade. I would always tell stories in my head. I'd be walking around and like really like as if I was writing them. And a question went around the group. We're hanging out on the playground. I'm in third grade and I'll never forget this. They asked me a question like, what was my favorite movie? And I answered, I think I said, Beauty and the Beast, she said. And they were like, who said? I was like, oh my word, I said that out loud. I honestly thought that I needed to talk to my mom about getting me help. I'm like, am I hearing voices in my head? But I was so convinced I was going to be a writer that I wrote books in my head all the time.
0: Wow, that's wonderful. So I'm curious, how did this evolution happen to where you're at today? Obviously- You've know, you worked really hard in your life. What corner did you round where you're like, I'm going to help other female entrepreneurs get to a point where they can be secure, be with their family, take control of their reality? How did this Manifest Destiny become you?
1: Hmm. I started off always working with small business owners. So I was a virtual assistant before there was virtual assistants post-COVID, right? Like I was kind of operating in the virtual assistant world. I found out about Mary Kay Cosmetics and I was like, ooh, it'd be cool to have my own business. So did that. So I moved every two or three years growing up. Swore I would not do that when I was an adult. Married a businessman. We moved 18 times in 15 years to five different states. So I had to keep starting over. It was really hard on my work life because yeah. just I, I would start a business and then have to start over. I was a professional photographer. I was, I've always been fascinated by small business owners. I've always seen them as the bravest grittiest, you know, putting time, effort and money, some of them mortgaging their houses against their business, I just was always in awe of them. I mean, truthfully, just like, I cannot, they're betting on themselves, they're betting their house on their dream. And so even when I was a VA, I thought like that, I just been fascinated by them. And I also have always been obsessed with learning. So a business owner like you would say, you know, I'm thinking about rolling out a subscription service, and we kind of got to talk through this, I would spend 40 hours reading every book I could get my hands on, listening to podcasts, only to disseminate it down to like a two minute, here's, you know, here's what I've learned, here's what could work, here's what we need to be careful of. And so it was like this highly valuable skill, right, where people could just send me off, and I'm very obsessive about learning. And so then, you know, I was promoted to executive assistant. Then I became certified as a director of operations. So then all of a sudden there was like a leadership piece there that had been missing before, became a chief of staff for a very large company. And so it was sort of like combining this love of learning and figuring things out with my, I don't, it's just, it's been my whole life just being super passionate about small business owners. And those two things got married and I became a fractional director of operations loved it i'm a very restless person probably from moving all the time i get bored super easily that was always the burr in the saddle like i would i would revitalize a business but after three months smooth sailing you know what happened joe I was bored. I was like, I don't want to do that. So right when most people would be like, sweet, now I can coast. No, Kelly was like, I'm bored. Let's do something else. Uh So what happened was in June, I decided I'm going to start this Instagram page. It was like a faith-based page, total passion project. But I would talk about time management. I would talk about business. Guess what the one thing people were sliding into my DMs? I know I can't afford you as a director of ops. I'm a teeny tiny solopreneur. Do you do business coaching one-on-one? No, I don't do that. Two days later, do you do business coaching? I talked to my business coach and she's like, why are you telling people no? You might like it. And so it was a complete whirlwind. October to December kind of got my feet wet with it and realized I, I had fallen in love with it. And I think what crystallized for me is I love all small business owners, but I'd always worked with like, you know, half a million dollar and up. They've got some people supporting them. When I started working with solopreneurs, I realized they don't have the frameworks they don't have the the ways to do business that the big guys do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I want them to. I want yeah. them to be able to grow and scale. So that was how it all came together for me.
0: Interesting. So I'm going to kind of pick apart some of the things that you said. So you're a prote- professional photographer, correct?
1: Yes. So
0: I've been taking pictures my whole life. I love it. And I'm always curious when I run into a photographer, what is it in your brain that makes you want to capture images, to capture moments. What is that 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 impulse for you to do that? How would you How would you describe that?
1: Freezing time.
0: Yeah. Slowing it down, maybe.
1: My husband and I were broker than broke when we had our four kids. We had three mm-hmm. kids under the age of three. I mean, I that was before cell phone cameras could even really do very much. So I never had that. And then once I started my uh, business, we had some money and I asked my husband, I really want to get family pictures. Yeah. Well, I fell in love with what she delivered. It was like lifestyle photos. So it wasn't in a studio or anything like that. And I just fell in love with it. So then I got a camera, started tinkering, right? Like I just kind of, I am like a serial entrepreneur. I love entrepreneurship. Well, then I'm thinking, I want to give this to other people. Like I couldn't have afforded it. I want to help people get these pictures. I don't have pictures of my kids when they were newborns. So I kind of became known as being the newborn photographer. And for me, what it was, was, you know, it's so fleeting. Babies only look like newborns for about two or three weeks, and then they start to turn more into and so I loved being there with this brand new life with mom and dad and just kind of capturing that but being able to give someone that ability to freeze time for that one second. Um, and also kind of driven by moms are never in their photos. So I really liked being able to, you know, the mom's the one taking the picture. So I like being able to gift her pictures of her with her kids was, was really fun.
0: That's great. That, that's wonderful. So let me ask you this. You're obviously very inspired with all of these things that you do. Who's been a hero for you and a role model for you in your life?
1: Um, it's going to sound super cheesy to say it. My husband is like the quintessential old school man does what needs to be done. Meek, which is obviously strength under control. So I think a lot of men get it wrong. They think strength is strength out of control, but it's like you could blow up in anger. You could lose control. You could be undisciplined. He's super disciplined, broad shoulders, wicked smart, funniest person I know, really selfless. I would also, I'm going to get emotional and I'm not normally an emotional person, but my parents are the other ones. They had started a business. My mom was pregnant with me, I think, when they started it. Their business partner took everything, wow. took all the money, left them with massive amounts of debt. And my parents could have declared bankruptcy for sure. I mean, most people in their situation would have done it. For some reason, my dad in his gut was like, I don't, I feel like we're not supposed to do that. I mean, to the point where the government took their assets. That's how bad it was. This is not like $5,000 of debt. This is like multiple years of income of debt. They paid back their debt. They paid back this guy's debt. Gave up a life of luxury for many, many years in order to be able to climb their way out of this debt. That's a cool story, right? Like yeah, those yeah. are heroes. Those are people that I, I am. I admire gritty people, but they didn't get bitter. And when this man was dying in the hospital, they went to see him. Wow. Told him they loved him. They were praying for him. And so to be able to have someone Number one, that wronged you, but you don't let yourself get bitter and you keep caring for people is just such a profound thing. Um, it it really influenced uh, a lot of different areas of my life as I've run my own businesses.
0: I just listened to the Michelle Obama book and she was the the quote was When they go low, you go high. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just that there's a lot of people out there. That especially in this kind of post-COVID world where there's this road rage revenge idea, it's kind of woven into a lot of stories of, of this this culture that we're in. You just don't hear a lot of stories like that where people have levels of compassion because at the end of the day, we're all human and you know, um, we all have our backstories and all of that. So mm-hmm. um so I'm curious if you can meet one person alive on the planet, whether it's an entrepreneur or somebody that's been inspiring to you. Who would be that one person you would love to talk to and be around for a little bit?
1: So one of the many things I've done in all my moves was I was an event manager running. And I don't mean like I ran parties. I mean, multi-million-dollar events, you know, hundreds of people working to put on the event. So I saw a lot of famous people, household names, hung out with people, looked at the writers it came in, you know, they want this, they want that, they need to be treated like this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> don't do this. And so the glimmer of that wore off. Like, I literally yeah. could sit with President Obama right now, and my heart my heart rate wouldn't go up. I could sit with right. Elon Musk. And it's not like, oh, Kelly, so it's it's not that. It's just that they are like us. And so when yeah. you work in that role, I don't find them as fascinating, I feel like, as the normal person would. So I would say, I don't know if you've ever heard of the book Kisses by Katie. Kisses mm-hmm. from Katie. She's this girl born into a very affluent white family. Decided to go on this trip to Africa, fell in love with the people, gave up everything. She's adopted like 30 children. So here's this young, beautiful white woman who gives up everything. So I would say, you're going to tell me you've not gotten this answer before, probably, but it would be that nameless, faceless doctor who's moved to the inner regions of the Middle East to serve people, or it would be that dentist who could make boatloads of money here, but is choosing not to, or it would be that nurse who somebody who is truly behind the curtain is not asking for fame or glory. I think it would be completely fascinating to just sit with someone who will never be a household name, who gave up everything to serve people who can never pay them back. Having a conversation with someone like that would be really incredible.
0: Well, and that's why I do what I do here. I think there's so many incredible people. And I think in this politically divided world, this just th- there's so much contention out there. I think we're a lot more alike mm-hmm. than we think. And we don't understand our backstories. And by the way, I just placed a hold on the book. Katie <laughs> Davis is her name. So I'm going to read it. So I'm looking Amazing. forward to it. I love Amazing. that.
1: Amazing. Yes, yeah. I love it. That I love that you said that, Joe. Moving all the time, it made me a bit of a chameleon. But it also helped me realize like people in the city view people in the country like this and people in the country view, you know, and, and we're Christians. So it's like we would go to whatever church we like. So Wesleyan, Baptist, non-denominational, it didn't matter. And I would just look every time we moved, I was like, everybody tries to put everybody else in these buckets, right? Yeah. And like, they're so this, they voted for Trump, they're this, they voted for Biden, they're this. And it's just like, that to me blows my mind how we want to sort of boil people down and put them in a bucket of the, I like this or I don't like this. And we're just so much more complex than that. And yes, you've had so many fascinating interviews. I've really enjoyed catching up on your podcast because people just, it's like a prism, right? Like people view life all different ways. And uh-huh. so I like that you shine a light on all of these different entrepreneurial journeys. It's been super fun to listen to. Oh, cool.
0: Thank you. Yeah. That's the thing that's weird about all of this the practitioners of making us put people into these label buckets are ultimately the most dysfunctional in this country. It's the (laughs) congressional people that put these issues out to make us fight over it, and they can't even pass a measure right now. They can't agree on anything. It's like Mm -hmm. total chaos. It's like, why are we going to follow that? You know, it's kind of like coming – it's like a kid that – finally gets to be 18 and leaves the dysfunctional house and is like, I had no idea what was going on. And finally, now I'm waking up to all of it. So it's it's wild. And I think that's the thing that's so good about grassroots things and entrepreneurs is that we get to kind of charter our own world. And the beauty of podcasting is we don't have major networks that have commercial interests that are pushing an agenda. We just get to mingle as humans. And that's the beauty of this. You know, yes, it's, yes, it's, it's, absolutely. it's a I good totally
1: thing. agree with you. I totally agree with you. My dad and I will talk sometimes. I wouldn't ask if you were a Democrat or Republican. If you said I'm running for president, I lived in this city, $0 to my name. I built this big business. I know how to hire. I know how to fire. I know how to make things grow. i I'm voting for you. Yeah, I right. will literally. I'm not yeah. going to ask any other questions because we have people who don't even know how to run a business making decisions right. that affect all of us, affect yeah. our finances, affect our families. Affect, and so it is. We're in a really odd points of human history in this country, especially where we do have those career politicians. We have this obsession with fame, and that's where you know people like, oh, I want to meet Patrick Mahomes. I want to meet. But you talked about. Like with my answer, kind of shining a light on other people or my parents' story. And it's like, we don't hear those things. It's because we don't worship those things anymore. Right. Humility. Yeah. We we. I feel like in this country, we worship vices, pride, yeah. drunkenness, anger, rage. Like yeah. that to me has been strange because it's not just our kids that are affected by that. The yeah. people we follow affect us more than we realize.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's clickbait. It's a weird clickbait world. And then you add cancel culture and all of that. And it just gets, it gets to be too much. So at the end of the day, you're obviously very highly driven and you're trying to help people, but you have to evolve yourself. What's your motivator every day to wake up, to be you, and to do all of these things that you want to get done? So
1: gosh, this, this segue is really great with what we were just saying. So would you agree that there's people who run businesses that are evil people? Oh, yeah. Like, let's think about private islands, private jets, trafficking people, right? Would you agree there's abusers who they have a product or service, people are paying them money, they're using it to further abuse people. thieves. They are literally, they're stealing from their customers, or they're stealing from the government, or they're stealing. We have people embezzling. You're like, Kelly, where are you going with this? How does this tie into Walk Like Warriors? This is it. I want the good women having seven figure a year businesses. I want them, I am driven by this passion to take the money from the bad people and keep it in the hands of the good people. So it really is a good versus evil battle for me. I want them wildly successful. You know why, Joe? Because you know what they say when I'm coaching them? I wanna pay for my kid's college. I would really like to buy a house for this, this widow at my church. I would really like, they want to do so much good. They don't have the business tools to be able to do it. So I am truly driven by, I want the good people to have all the money and success in the world. I, and I want them one step further. <laughs> Maybe this is the, this is the underbelly, the dark underbelly, but like one step further than that. I actually want them taking business from the bad people, not in a nefarious way, not in an yeah. ugly way. But I want them so wildly successful, that they, their name, their business, is the first thing that pops into someone's head when they want to spend money, and that we're we're actively helping people who want to do the right thing to be successful, so they can do more good in the world. So it's kind of like my own little battleground. It yeah, is, it truly really does get me out of bed in the morning, raring to go, trying to make whatever difference I can make in my little tiny speck inside the universe.
0: Yeah. So you've moved around a lot. You've been to a lot of different places. Mm -hmm. What was one of the most magical or unexpected places that you lived in or went to?
1: So the weather is horrible, but we, my husband got a job transferred to Wisconsin. We lived between Milwaukee and Madison. Yeah. And just, you want to talk about salt of the earth, people mm-hmm. give you the shirt off their back. Really kind. Like our neighbors in that neighborhood just made the experience for us. I will tell you, we just built a brand new house. My husband was out of town. I went in our closet to hang something up. The entire one wall of our closet was ice. And I called him and I'm like, I'm not doing this long term, baby. (laughs) I can do it for a while. I was like, how do people live like this? But the weather was horrible. But the people were so good. And truly, I feel like it's one of those pockets, at least where we were, they truly care about people doesn't matter the color of your skin doesn't matter your economic status, like they took care of each other It's really refreshing to see that. Um, especially from the place we had moved from, it was just so yeah, the weather wasn't great. Uh, you know, it's like in the, in the summer you get eaten alive by mosquitoes and in the winter it's 25 below zero. The kids still go to school, Hardy people there, but really good people. Um, hearts of gold. I, I really did enjoy the people there.
0: Yeah. So if you could go back in time and see one event in human history with your own eyes, where are you going to go? What would you love to see?
1: I would love, I would love to see so I'm a woman of faith. This would have no bearing on my faith, but. I would love to see, uh, the Bible talks about how there was a man blind since birth. Mm-hmm. To that point, according to scripture, there was no one who had ever had their sight restored. I would have loved to see that moment.
0: Yeah.
1: That that some an adult seeing for the first time and then looking into the face of the person who healed them, I think yeah. that I would just turn into a puddle and I yeah. wouldn't be able to go on. I think that that would be an incredibly profound moment in human history yeah. of somebody's life being radically changed and them getting to look at the person who did it, I think would be like, oh, I got goosebumps, but I think it'd be that. I mean, probably a little unconventional, but that's the first thing that popped up into my No, I
0: love it. That's a great answer. So at the end of the day, everyone has an idea of who they think you are. You have Mm -hmm. all these different pockets of people in your life, family, friends, clients, colleagues, but Mm -hmm. you run the show. What is your perception of you? Who do you think you are?
1: So... You know, it's my name, Kelly, means warrior woman. I'm a pretty fearless, bold, gritty, um, very tenacious person. So that I named the company Walk Like Warriors. I want women to be bold, fearless, gritty. I want them to stop playing small. I want them to stop shrinking back. I want them to be bold. I want them to walk like warriors. What people don't see, because I'm a pretty, I, I, I'm I, a lover of entrepreneurs. I'm an encourager, a confidant, a confidant, a cheerleader, but I also kick their butts. I want them to take action and move. But what I think with my butt kicking style, what is not always obvious is I get emotional about them. I love them to pieces. Sometimes I feel like I want success for them more than they want it for themselves. And that's what I don't think always people see is that underneath all that layers, those layers of passion and um, galvanizing people is a super tender heart that, you know, I pray for them and I cheer for them. And so I'm fierce and I'm fearless, but I'm also kind of a squishmallow when it comes to my people. And there's nothing I wouldn't do for them, truthfully.
0: So if anyone wants to hire you, learn more about you, reach out, anything about your world, where's the best place to go?
1: Absolutely. So any female entrepreneur who wants to stop being super overwhelmed, running around in circles, flying by the seat of her pants, walklikewarriors.com. There's a freebie section. It's packed with a lot of freebies. Um, definitely the most popular one is seven strategies to save 12 hours a week. It's, it really does help people. I mean, I have ADHD, so I feel like if I can help someone save time and get their time under control with my brain being the way it is there, there is not a female entrepreneur in this country that I wouldn't be able to help. So I, it's obviously, I love, I love what I do. So the freebie section is packed because I want to serve people whether they can afford me or not.
0: Excellent. Kelly, this has been so great. What a wonderful conversation. Thank you for your insights, for your story. I love it. Thank you.